This week, third grade teacher Emily from Kentucky talks about how we can love our students even more. She also gives us some ideas on how to build your reward system through Class Dojo. What are you listening to, kids? All right, guys, glad to have you here this week. I want to let you know, first of all, our Twitter handle is at SubTeachLounge. I would like to hear from you via email, gregcollinssubstitute at gmail.com. Let's don't forget that we have the Facebook page, Substitute Teachers Lounge. That's growing weekly. We have several hundred now. I would like to have more people posting. Most people are basically just looking at that now to see when something new pops up and that's okay but I want to hear from you that's why that was set up and then of course we're also doing the YouTube version of this it actually came out four days ago on Thursday sometime between Thursday and Saturday now every week the YouTube version will come out it won't have all of the commentary that's on the normal podcast it will be basically just the raw video as we recorded it through Zoom I will tell you this I have interviews scheduled for the next five weeks that I'm really excited about. Some specialty areas, some teachers, and one that we're going to get to in five weeks is the first year anniversary show. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be with my three favorite students. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Greg. You told us not to show favorites. Listen, I'm going to reveal it. My three favorite students. That's coming up in five weeks. That'll be the last weekend in June 2020. So look forward to that. And then one last thing I will mention. I can tell that this week, Substitute Teachers Lounge podcast is going to hit a milestone. So I'll talk about it next week. And to be honest, we're also going to hit a milestone already in YouTube. So so we'll talk about that as well. All right. We are with Emily here today. Emily, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. Glad to have you here. Now, I, I don't know if you can see it. I purposely wore my UK colors today because I knew you went to the University of Louisville. So does that <laughs> aggravate you at all? Well, I still got a little blue blood in me, so. Okay. I don't know if you remember my twins. One of them went to Kentucky, and one of them went to Louisville, but they're both Kentucky fans. So so one of them still lives in Louisville, as a matter of fact. I love the city of Louisville. It's great. Oh, yeah, I do, too. I do, too. I like it as a city. (laughs) Why don't you uh, just, just start out by telling us, a little bit about your journey through your education, your career, how how you decided to become a teacher. I think it would probably, I would case it back to my love for gymnastics. I had some really amazing coaches. Um, my favorite coach, her name is Lee Clay Estes, and I'll have to tag her in this. She just had an amazing impact on my life. Um, 
And I started to, when I got to cheer in high school, we started to do little cheerleading camps and gymnastics camps. And I think that's when I realized how much I love to work with children, how special it was. And also reminded me of just the impact the coaches and teachers have had in my own life. What sure. an important um, job, you know, to, to get to do something like that. Remind me again, what, what uh, grade do you teach now? Or have you taught over the years? Let's see. This is this will be going into my um, what is twelfth year next year wow. teaching. I taught first grade for six years, and then third grade for I guess this will be six, like off and on. And I've been in third grade. This will be my fourth year in third grade writing, language arts, and spelling. Okay, so even though you're elementary school, you don't have to teach every subject. Correct? No, no we're right, so, um, de departmentalized at my school. Okay. All right. So what uh, what made you switch from first grade to third grade just out of curiosity? Well, it really wasn't my choice. I actually, well, actually, I, I love first grade. Love it. It probably is. It's one of the most rewarding grades just because that's when they learn to read. But I also love third sure. grade. I switched school districts. And when I switched oh, school okay. districts, I, I got hired on as a third grade teacher. That makes sense. <laughs> All right. All right. You know, I, I admire you elementary school teachers so much because <laughs> I've tried to teach elementary school and sometimes it just ain't happening. So I think I think middle school and high school is the niche I belong in. Let me ask you this. <laughs> I know you from time to time see that students have favorite teachers. What do you think makes a student's favorite teacher their favorite? That's a good question. <laughs> um, thinking about myself and my favorite teachers when I was younger, um, it was those who challenged me to be the best I could be. Those who um, I respected who I had a relationship with that I also really respected. And I just Good. knew that they had the best interest. I think just for myself, it was the ones who I knew were pushing me to be the best I can be. It wasn't necessarily the teachers that gave me an A. In fact, right. it was the ones that I had to work a little extra to get that A. Sure, um, sure. Because they pushed me so much. So it's it's not the ones that just show up. It's the ones that you can tell really care about the students. Yes, and, and just, yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I assume you've had to have a substitute teacher here and there from time to time. What do you look for? Do you Do you have your favorites? Do you have the same people that you call back a lot of time? Or regardless of how you do it, what's, what's the attribute of your favorite substitute teachers? Oh, yes. I definitely have a couple that if I know that they are going to be in my room that day, I feel at ease. Like sure. I know everything's going to get done. I don't have to worry about explaining everything. And it's really, I think it's a couple of things. If they've been in my room a few times, my children in my class feel comfortable with them. I know right. that they're taken care of. Um, they're familiar with the routines that have been set in place, and they respect those routines. They don't try to do their own thing. They kind of respect that this is what's best for the kids to stick to right. what we normally do. Um, and it's also those teachers that I can – the ones that, like, communicate with me when I'm yes. finished um, is very, very 
important. I just love when substitute teachers tell me how their day went and even send me a message and say, hey, you know, little Johnny had problems with this today or um, I really, I, we, we almost got to finish this. We didn't get quite get to this. I appreciate that because it shows me they really care um, and that their day was not just like a paycheck for them, but it was like important and they were happy to be in my classroom. Right. That, that's a great answer. In fact, that was one of the other questions I was going to ask you is <laughs> what do you like to see from substitute teachers after you leave? And you've already answered that. So, so that's good. Let me ask you this. Sometimes I know as either teachers or substitute teachers, we accidentally say something that we can tell the kid might have interpreted as being disrespectful to them. What do you do when you realize that you've actually said something to a child accidentally that made them feel just a little bit different? I apologize. I do too. Good. Good answer. Good answer. I think that it's good to let them know that, you know, adults mess up too, or sometimes we are no too doubt. quick to, to speak when we should have maybe um, thought a little bit before we answered them or things just come out the way we don't mean them to sometimes. I think it's okay to let them know that we're human, you know, and that we make mistakes. Right, right. How, uh, how large are your classes in your district where you teach? How many students do you have at a time? We have, we have three groups that were, were departmentalized this year that we rotate between. So in the third grade this past year, we had 69, I think, or 70 kids that I would see every day, but I would see, you know, a third of them a day. So about 25, 20, well, sometimes a little less, probably a little less, like 23, 25. That's students. still a lot of, that's a lot of students to try to give one-on-one attention to, isn't it? It is, yes. Ooh. Um, what, but what we're very blessed in our district to where we have just really great RTI in place where we get to, you know, right. work in small yeah. groups and stuff. Um, that's really helpful. I do miss that about being self-contained at sometimes. Yes. I miss yes. having that small group time that we don't get as much the way we do it. While we've all been in this quarantine, have you been able to interact with your students? Do you use Zoom for them or do you use anything like that to try to interact with them? We did. We, you know, where we live in the mountains, we live in Appalachia. We kind of, we were ready for this. We, we are made for quarantine because we, um, (laughs) not, not that we like it, but we are, um, we were prepared just because we do have a lot of snow days. We've had to do snow packets many times, not for this long of a time. And I hope that we never have to do it like this again. Yeah, for sure. But we definitely already had things in place and we already were, um, had, you know, like a Facebook page that we communicate with families in place and that we used very frequently and we were able to post assignments there. We did Zoom primarily to connect with the kids just because we felt like they needed to see our face. They needed to be able to talk to us. We didn't right. necessarily this time do it to teach within the future. In the future, that could be something that we will have to incorporate that um, I hope not, but we might have to. We also use Google Classroom. I did it, but my, my team did a lot more than me. It was really helpful for math and reading. And I, I think that if we have to do more in the future, I will 
stay more on. I just stay more. I feel like I need more training on the Google Classroom. Um, but who yeah. just who just joined us there? Uh, this is Sawyer. Can you say hi? <laughs> I'm going to guess that you're not quite school age yet. He's not. He's. I can't wait. We have a head start, so hopefully he can join us in a year or so. Right, right. I've got uh, four grandchildren now. One is just finished kindergarten. The other one has their one-year-old birthday next month. And then I've got two grandsons that were born in February, two brothers. So they each had a baby within three days of each other. So or their wives did. Their wives did. So I know the feeling. There's nothing like it. So you were mentioning... Google Classroom, do you use that a lot while you're there, or do you ever leave assignments on that for your substitute teacher or anything like that? Or are, you, or are your lessons plans more just handouts and that type of thing? Um, that's a good question. I think in the future, I will probably, I do. I just started using Google Classroom. I tried it out. We have like a day once a week where we do work on our Alexia programs. And that is right. something that we've really pushed this year with Symphony Math and, and my class, Alexia. So they have to get a certain amount, like 60 minutes a week. And there okay. have been times when the sub, since that was their normal Alexia day, has done that. We're we all have Chromebooks. We are not one-to-one in that we have all, all 70 kids at one time have it, but right. on certain days in certain classes, they have it. So right. every Tuesday was like see a day. And on those days, I would try to post a Google Classroom assignment, whether it be like a quiz over content we had been working on. But I think with me, it's just that I need to build my own confidence in Google Classroom. I've never sure. been like, uh, I was blessed to get to go to a training on it last year and I want I think it's just something you got to keep on playing with yourself and learning it and to use it so in the future I would like to be able to do that for substitute teachers I haven't yet beyond Lexia are you familiar with the programs such as Kahoot or Quizlet yes and do you ever use that at your grade level or do you think that's too young for the, or they're too young for that no, we have used it before. I haven't used okay. it consistently just because we take turns, I guess, with the Chromebooks. But I know right. our math teacher has used both of those a bunch. I think it's. I think that I should use it more than I do. Yeah, I've actually, when I was long-term, I was long-term in math nine weeks last year, and I was a long-term sub in history uh, this last year. And I actually got to where I, I got certified on it. So I took all their tests to get certified in Kahoot. I'm talking about, yeah. and I actually was using it to test the students. We would have our test on there. I would set the question time at about two minutes and, uh, it, it was like graded as soon as the test was over and they knew what they had scored too, because they knew how many they had missed already. So that immediate feedback is so good. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Let me put you on the spot a little bit. You ready? Oh, gosh, I hope so. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Substitute teachers should be more what? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that does put me on the spot. I can tell you've had a lot of good substitute <laughs> teachers. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I don't really complain too much. Let me, re -ask, let me ask it in a different way. It'll be easier <laughs> to answer this way. 
substitute teachers become students' favorites often. Mm-hmm. What are the substitutes doing that makes them the, the students' favorites? I think that they care. They show them they care, that they create a safe place for them while the regular teacher is away. Um, and, you know, you've heard that cliche saying they won't care what you know until they know that you care. And that oh, really that's good. Well, they, really I've heard is, it, but it's still good. It's still it's good. It's still good, yeah. I know that um, kids really, when they see that, hey, you're really there for them, you're really there to make sure they feel safe and loved and cared for, then they're going to just thrive. You know, they're going to, um, they're going to be, you're going to be their favorite. Right. That way. Good, good. Can you think of, are, do you have any stories about students that you thought were either particularly funny or particularly in, inspiring? Can you think of any stories specific? I see your face. I see your face smiling right now. Can you think of any stories? And that, don't give me any names, of course, but what? give me a student story that you still remember to this day. Gosh, there's so many. Um, I can think of a couple right off that. One would be a child that just as soon as you asked that question, his face popped in my head. Um, he, you know, struggled, not maybe not particularly the best time life. Um, we always worried that he had enough, you know, food at home and sure. new clothes to wear and but he was also a little bit different than the rest of the kids and he struggled a little bit he was very smart very intelligent and but he had a hard time communicating especially in writing and that's what I teach and he um one day something just clicked for him and he was able he, he he had written a story about something that he really cared about and before that, it was just really hard to motivate him. And um, so he just didn't like writing. So he just didn't like it. He didn't want to do it. But once I went on, I, I saw that he was, like, really into this story. And, I, I mean, I, I complimented him. When, I mean, I made a big deal out of it, I'm sure. And from that one compliment, um, I just watched him bl- blossom and he, he ended up loving writing and it just reminded me that um, not to ever give up on give up or to ever think that some children will never love a certain subject or content area because you never know what one little push or one little compliment could how that could impact their life and and so I always think of him because he he just got so excited about writing in his journal every day from that moment and that's I know, a great that's a great story. Sometimes it's just the extra time, isn't it? That makes yes. a student feel important. That's a great story. Do you have, with, with that in mind, since you're talking about kind of the ways you've picked up students, do you have any kind of reward system in place? Do you, do you have anything that you like keep, whether it be candy or just things on a bulletin board, do you have any kind of reward systems in place for your classes? We definitely do, and that's a great question. And this also, I always try to share this with our substitute teachers. We use Class Dojo, like big time. And I love Class Dojo. The kids love Class Dojo. And um, are you familiar with it? Uh, but yeah. I haven't used it, but I am familiar with it a little bit. Well, we, um, 
One of the reasons I love it is because it create it helps to create a very positive environment in the classroom. You are continually finding ways to um, to stay positive by it's by reinforcing their good behavior. So you're you're constantly giving them points. It's like a point system for good things that they do instead of focusing on the negative. Because I hardly yeah, I like you can give negative no toe points, but I hardly ever do. I just try to always find the good ones, and they collect points. So once a month, we have a big class dojo at the end of the month celebration in our in our grade on our team and the kit we have like a class dojo champion and they can earn rewards and they can be the first second third place winner but they can also award um earn rewards based on how many points they get so whether it be like a cool pencil or the sticker they we even have these really cool coupons that i also use and it doesn't cost any money that's why i like it um, <laughs> You can like get a lunch with the teacher and free homework pass or um, nice. sitting sit at the teacher's desk for the day. It's little coupons, like things like that mean way more than a piece of candy, I feel like, to them. Um, where it just really helps. They love that. They love getting that those free choices. And so the coupons I also use um, for good grades. Like if they get earn A's or B's, they can right. get, I give little fuzzy balls every good grade they get, like those little fuzzies you get at craft stores and they yes. can trade those in for my coupons. But as a third grade team, we also do class dojo day. Emily, that's great. I love, I love your, all of your answers today so much. You, you that's to me, that is, and all the interviews I've had have been good, but the interview that's the interviews that are good for substitute teachers are the ones where it's obvious you have a lot of things in place that are working and it helps us to become better substitutes as well. So I appreciate that. Believe it or not, we're already almost out of time. Do you have any closing thoughts that you want to share with us before we get out of here? Now, I've loved all of your questions, and I was a little <laughs> bit nervous, but you made it really easy to just share with you, and thank you. I don't Good. So, thank you. That's it. I can't really think of anything else. Good, good. I appreciate it. I have, I've made some notes here while you were talking, <laughs> some things I want to try in the future, and I know a lot of the listeners to this will as well. So, you and your family have the greatest of weeks, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. All right. See ya. Bye. All right. Just a great interview there with Emily. We appreciate her doing that from the Appalachian area of Kentucky. Before we get off here, I want to mention something real quick that's going on soon. I've mentioned Good Pods in the past. It's basically, you know, I guess I would describe it like a, it's new and it's a podcast social network. So, I can go on there just like in Apple. I Instead, I can go on to Good Pods and subscribe to my podcast there that I listen to. And But the cooler thing is, just like, you know, the Facebooks of the world and that kind of thing, all the social networks that you guys are on, Good Pods lets you see what your friends are listening to, lets you see maybe what celebrities are listening to. And my friends can see the podcast that I'm listening to. It's podcast only. So it's a way of sharing that with all of your friends. But 
I know a lot of you listen to the crime-type podcast, the suspenseful ones. It's probably the biggest genre of podcast on the air right now. And there's a new one called Motive for Murder. And I want you guys to know that they are going to do an exclusive discussion. Uh, one of the Good Pods hosts, Josh Mankiewicz, they're going to discuss that podcast, Motive for Murder. And what I'm going to do, I'm actually going to submit a question for their discussion. And you can, too. You have to submit those questions before June 4th. Just subscribe, you know, download the Good Pods app and you've got what you need. So search for Motive for Murder. And then one of the tabs available for each podcast is Discussion. So you can ask your discussions there. So do that before June 4th. I just wanted you to know about it. That's Good Pods. It's on the discussion will be on June 4th and it will be about the Motive for Murder podcast series. Music provided by Ben Sound.